If you can practice lowering your defenses, especially when you feel defensive, if you can practice lowering your defenses anyway, and if you can practice being receptive to what your partner is saying, even if you don't like what they're saying, and you start listening with more kindness in your heart, then you're gonna find they're gonna share more with you. Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. We are Um, now recording. We are now recording. This is too good. I know. And I just got so into starting and on this topic and conversation that we just jumped right into talking about intimacy and how we can enhance our romantic relationships and preserve them. And for those of us like myself that have been through a divorce, I don't want to go through a second divorce. I want to have the longevity and beauty for the rest of my life as long as we can together, right? And I don't want something to create a block, a roadblock in our romantic relationship. And I know too, from working with so many couples that have gotten stuck in their relationship, sometimes it's just a few little conversations or it's a few, you know, it's, there's something that we can improve, talk about, communicate with, and certainly physiologically with hormone balance, removing some of the physical obstacles like erectile dysfunction or vaginal dryness and improving those areas from a gynecologist standpoint, and then improving the communication and the connection and the romance from an intimacy standpoint so that we can have and maintain that nurturing in all qualities and all ways of our lives. And, you know, I interrupted you, Marla, but I'm just curious now, like, what is like the reasons for divorce? What do you see among your clients that you consult with the reasons for their divorce to begin with? Well, one of the biggest challenges in relationship and why it even gets to divorce in the first place is lack of communication, lack of really sharing the truth of what's going on inside until it gets so, so bad that the only option is to leave. And so the idea is to share more of what's going on before you, quote, need to. And that's really challenging because it's the little resentments that creep in, creep in and start building, 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 building until all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, we have an unsolvable problem now. We have a problem we cannot solve without external help. And even with external help, there's so much repair that never happened along the way that people, you know, each partner didn't take personal responsibility and provide a repair experience for each other that the pain and the hurt just grows to be unbearable and you don't want to move forward with that partner. And so to avoid that and to navigate beyond that challenging experience means that, you know, how do you know when it's an appropriate time to have a challenging conversation? The conversation that you flirted with somebody the other day 
and you felt like it turned you on and that led to you thinking about cheating, even though you haven't cheated, but you're thinking about it. If you're thinking about cheating and you haven't told your partner, now is the time to talk about it before you do something. So, you know, the idea is to open up communication in a way that leads to deeper intimacy. And intimacy, as we define it, as the intimacy experts, perpetual beginners, by the way, always beginners, is to be simultaneously unguarded and receptive at the same time. And so it's a spectrum. To be unguarded and guarded means how defensive are you? How open are you to you know, your partner? And how much defense do you have up? Maybe they haven't done the 12 things they said they were going to do. And so you're feeling like, well, I don't want to open to you sexually right now because I don't want to receive anything more from you. You haven't given me what I've already asked for. And that's not in the bedroom, right? And so then in the receiving end, just because you're unguarded, meaning you don't have a defense up, doesn't mean you're receptive. Because to be receptive means you're open to someone else's ideas, someone else's way of doing something, not just your own. And so when two partners can come together and practice lowering the defenses and softening inside so that you can actually feel relaxed in your body, relaxed in your mind, you don't have your incessant thoughts going on all the time, then you can be more receptive and then you can want to come together. And intimacy, as we redefine it as being unguarded and receptive at the same time, is also in the other realms of intimacy, not just physical. We have emotional intimacy. How defensive are you around your emotional material with your partner, right? How receptive are you to their emotional way of being in the world, even if it's not the way you do it? How about financial intimacy? Are you guarded or unguarded around your finances? Are you receptive to the ways that your partner would prefer to invest, earn, save, and spend their money and do it together, right? So intimacy spans also in the spiritual world, right? Your spiritual life and your, you know, how you view the bigger picture of life. Is that aligned? Are you guarded around that? Do you keep that to yourself or do you share openly with your partner and do you explore those realms together? So, you know, the idea of intimacy is way more than just sex. And when sex is off, it feels like 90% of the relationship. And that's why, you know, if you're feeling uncomfortable in your physical body, it's really challenging to want to have sex because there's this barrier to move through before you can even get there. So, you know, that's some of the conversations to start having in relationship before you have to, before the cheating happens, before you feel so disconnected that you just don't even want to move forward anymore. And every couple gets to that point at some place in their relationship where they just feel like, gosh, is this all there is? This is what I've settled for. This is the whole thing. Unless you're actively growing together, you're unintentionally growing apart. Oh, you're on mute. I like that. Unless you're actively growing together, you're unintentionally growing apart. And I think that's, you know, one of the things in my program, Sexual CPR, I talk about the ABCs of sexual CPR. A is accept where you are now. You're as beautiful today as you will ever be today at this moment. So own that, right? And B is be present. Again, being present in the now. 
and not running to-do list and what you had, what happened then, what's happening tomorrow, all those things. And then C is communicate. C is so important, right? That is probably the most important aspect. Now, I want to touch on this topic and actually had a great conversation in my Girlfriend Doctor show with Gary Chapman on this very sensitive topic on cheating and on affairs. And Gary Chapman is the author of Five Love Languages, one of the best-selling books of all times, and just amazing. And I actually have a great amount of respect for him because we're all human. He really communicates that very, very well. And so cheating can happen in a relationship, even the best relationships and people still love each other. It's often hard for one or both of the partners to move past that and rekindle and reconnect. How do you approach that? And what do you say about that? We want to do everything proactively so we're not led to cheat or be dishonest in any way in our relationship, whether it's dishonesty in finances, whether it's dishonesty in emotions, whether it's dishonesty, you know, in relationships, whether it's dishonesty in in whatever it is that we're doing. So it comes to that concept of cheating on your partner, having an affair with someone else, emotional or physical. Yeah, well, cheating is not a deal breaker in a relationship. It is an opportunity to take a look at how the patterns that came together between the two of you activated in such a way that cheating was the outcome. And cheating is not ever just one partner is the issue or the problem or the perpetrator of that experience. It had to happen because both partners were engaged in the relationship in a way that allowed that to move forward. And so if you don't have communication in your relationship to talk about the challenging material, like, oh my gosh, I'm not feeling fulfilled sexually in our relationship. I'm not feeling connected with you. I feel like we're, you know, kind of living separate lives. And I've been thinking about cheating. I'm not cheating yet, but I'm thinking about it. If you haven't been able to have those kind of conversations, then the next logical step is to just continue down the path of whatever it is you want to do, which there's a difference between, you know, being childlike and childish and childlike is buoyancy and joy and delight and wonder. And being childish is taking action on something that is going to bring pain to you and your partner and your relationship before you have a chance to talk about it. So, you know, if your partner came to you and said, Hey, I'm considering cheating, that's on my like in my awareness that I've been looking around, I've been kind of searching, I've been even thinking about getting on an app. If you can be aware enough that those things are happening for you, that's the time to bring it to therapy, to bring it to your partner and to actively talk about it because guess what? It's happening anyway. You're thinking about it anyway. And if you think hiding it is gonna make things better or easier, it won't. It's just gonna prolong it and make it more painful and then you might actually act on it. But cheating is not actually a deal breaker in a conscious relationship. Cheating is a byproduct of other issues, feeling separate, feeling like you can't talk to each other, feeling disconnected sexually. And there's so many ways to connect. I mean, there's incredible relationship experts beyond us that have incredible techniques on how to connect and how to continue to open yourself and to your partner. And by the way, the idea of being dishonest, all of us are dishonest. All of us are dishonest, even on a subtle level, because words 
are never going to completely be the exact experience of what you're experiencing inside. Words are cumbersome. They don't actually describe exactly what's happening inside. They're a translation of what's happening inside of you. And this is why sometimes that when you feel like you can't find the words, it's because you probably can't. It won't describe what is actually happening inside. And so the idea of not saying anything instead of saying, quote, the wrong thing and making the problem worse is the option most couples take. And so the idea would be to practice saying the, quote, wrong thing so that you can actually just talk about it and get it out and bring it to your union, the relationship union, the we of the two of you. You're not just bringing it to your partner. You're bringing it to the union that you've been developing together. Yes, I think that is so well said. And it's that concept of dishonesty within the relationship. And we want to talk about that because how it affects all aspects of our lives and how we're parenting, how we're partnering, you know, how we're participating in our teams. And in these aspects, getting into our authentic ability to express our voice, because we know more damage happens, the more we stuff, more you know, damage happens, the more we don't speak our truth, more damage happens when we ourselves are filled with resentment or self-dislike or unfulfillment. So we can be filled with unfulfillment. It's kind of like an oxymoron, isn't it? But there's (laughs) truth to that. A dear friend, Dr. Jen Landa said to me one time, she said, resentment is lack of self-care. And I I want people to hear that. I'm going to say it again. Resentment is lack of self-care. So when it comes to expressing our truth, nourishing our body, we have to step into that place knowing that we are worthy, no matter what's happened in the past, no matter what's happening in our relationships and our present, that we are worthy of speaking our truth. We are worthy of having joy. We are worthy of having unconditional love. And, you know, and it's oftentimes like becoming aware of what it is that makes us happy and what we need in our lives, what our true needs are, what truly makes us happy, being able to focus on that and express that and share that information with those that we love most, that we've committed to. We're raising them or we're partnered with them or we're working with them in all areas of our relationships. I love that you brought up resentment (laughs) because resentment is really an opportunity. And if, if you haven't been using the resentment that's currently existing in your relationships as an opportunity to connect, here's a technique, okay? So we have what's called the share and scribe. And the share and scribe is a technique to clear resentment before it starts, as it's building, after it's already there. Okay, so every relationship has resentment building. So it's the little things that add up to one big problem. So the share and scribe is one person speaks out loud. It's the one who has the resentment, the one who's been judging and blaming and having, you know, just feeling overwhelmed with life. Okay, and it can be beyond the relationship. So one person is sharing, they're talking out loud. The other person is the scribe. They're using a writing tool and they write just bullet points of what the partner who's sharing is saying. And the scribe is silent. It's kind of like a court reporter. So if the partner who's writing needs a pause, they just ask for a pause because sometimes the other person talks too fast, so they need a pause. And that's the only thing they do until the person sharing pauses long enough for the, the scribe to ask, are you complete? So here's what happens. The person sharing talks about all of the long list of things that they are upset about, that they're angry about, that they are judging themselves and their partner about. 
and the, the person who's the scribe does their best to not take anything personally, to give them the benefit of the doubt that your partner would never intentionally hurt or harm you. And therefore everything they say, even if it's about you is not actually about you. It's about them processing their own material and doing their best to include you in that process so that you can create more intimacy and connection rather than separation. So when the person's sharing, feels complete. They let out their whole to-do list. Oh, and also I haven't seen my mom in so long and this is happening and, you know, I'm not getting enough sleep and whatever the things are. And by the way, you didn't put the dishes away and all of the blamey things, the whole thing goes on the list. Then once that person feels complete, the scribe reads back the list. How many times in our childhood did we get to feel heard and seen and known and loved through it? Very rarely very rarely. So this is an opportunity the person who shared to listen to their own words. So here's what I heard you say, sweetheart. I heard you say, you haven't seen your mom in so long. You haven't done this. I didn't do the dishes, da, da, da. And without adding any extra words, without adding anything or taking anything away, they just read the bullet point list. And then the scribe says, did I miss anything? So that gives the sharer one more chance to say, yeah, also there's these other five things. Okay, let me get my writing tool out. I'm going to write it, write it, write it. Water off a duck's back. It's not about me. I'm not going to take any of this on, even if it's about me. And then that person gets to feel heard. Then at the very end, the person who shared can look at the whole list and go back and circle the things that actually matter to them, that are important to them. And they can really use it as a reflection tool to actually do something with the resentment instead of just letting it build. So that the idea is that we always have very practical tools because some of this stuff can be so esoteric. It's like, yeah, 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 be a good person or let go of your defenses. Well, how do you do that? There has to be a how. And one of the hows is the technique of the share and scribes. By the way, you can do your own share and scribe. You can speak into Otter or any kind of a translation app that can transcribe your words. And so you can see your own words written out and then you can read them back to yourself and see what is really true here for me. I love this. Although I'd be like, oh my gosh, I've got to bite my tongue. I'm biting my tongue. My tongue would be bleeding. Like I knew I'd want to jump in and not just quietly be scribing. So is there a tip to temper that need to interrupt, justify? <laughs> these are just rules of engagement and you just have to follow these rules of engagement. The rules of engagement are there for a reason because if you interject, you'll start a conflict. And this is a very vulnerable process for one person to be able, one at a time. Why do conflicts happen? One person says something, the other person, everybody's activated. And then it goes up to the sky. The idea is that when one person is allowed to express completely, they get to feel release. And then if you took anything on personally, then that's for you to take a look at what did I take on personally here? What did I get activated about? Do your own little writing session about it, but you don't use it as a way to then get into an argument. And then you can switch. Once the one person feels more relaxed, then you can swap and you can do the share and scribe in the other direction. But if you just use it as a way to get activated and get angry with each other, then you're not using the process properly. The process is there for a reason. And, and it is challenging to not say anything at all when you know that what they're saying is not true, or there's reasons for why you want to be able to say, hey, the reason I didn't do the dishes was because of these five things. And if you just let your partner express without having to defend 
what is being said, that is intimacy, unguarded, unguarded, lower the defenses, right? When we lower our defenses, it's very vulnerable because we're open to attack. And then how do you use this in the case of cheating, in the case of like this has happened and this is challenging? So I was on a date recently and I totally use my podcast for personal information, (laughs) but it was interesting. So what he said is that he had cheated on his wife two to three years into the marriage. Well, he held on to that. And, you know, after 25 years, he confessed it in his marriage and she couldn't live with that. And so there was divorce. And I had to think that can't be, you know, like there's got to be so much more you know, than an affair 20 something years ago that could trigger this, you know, after 20 something years of marriage to say, well, you cheated on me 20 something years ago and that's it. And I can't continue, even though that was then and this is now. So how do you reconcile that? I mean, I hate to hear that, right? Like, hate to hear a marriage of 20, 25 years was, you know, essentially decapitated, I use that strong word, was, was severed, is a better word, was severed, you know, from an event in our past and shock and lack of forgiveness. But yet in my mind, it's like, gosh, that's just one like what other symptoms were there or, or when we don't, like do we confess something that happened 20, 25 years ago in a marriage if it's moving along? Right, right. That's a challenging, that's a challenging what if scenario, right? Uh, yep, yep. Right, reconciliation of something that happened in the past sometimes is necessary for the person who experienced it to be able to move forward in truth. And so, you know, anytime an act or an event is done with fear as a foundation. And fear is an umbrella term for really any negativity. But obviously this particular person, you know, when you cheat on your wife, um, there's fear involved because the fear she'll find out. There's fear involved. Otherwise it would just, there's there's no reason not to say, hey, I would like to have sex with somebody else. Are you okay with that? That's the adult thing to do is say, I'm not satisfied in this marriage sexually. Is it okay if we have an open marriage? That's a conversation. There's nothing wrong with that. But this person didn't allow that. Well, I would say there's something wrong with that if you haven't addressed the lack of sexual satisfaction within the marriage to begin with. So springing that on someone and it's like, hey, I didn't even... Like we haven't even addressed the the sexual wants or had this conversation to deepen the intimacy and say, I would like to do this. I would like to have sex this amount of times. I would like to try these things. But rather than just say, oh, well, you know, I've got this kink size I never told you about. And now I want to explore that, but I've never told you about it. And, you know, and so, you know, or I hinted at it, but you seemed uninterested. So I'm going to go explore it. That's, well, I would challenge that that's a an issue. Bit. I would challenge that a little bit, which is if you make the person wrong for how they bring up what they need to bring up, then they won't bring any more vulnerability to you. So the idea is a yes and, which is the first rule of improvisational comedy, okay? You don't say no, but you say yes and. So the yes is 
I'm so glad you're bringing this issue to me before you take action and go and cheat or do anything with anybody else. You're bringing this to me. And just like you said, my preference is we do our best to manage it in our own marriage. I didn't sign on for an open marriage. I signed on for a marriage that is a monogamous marriage. So my preference is that we do everything we can to bring our own turn on to this relationship. And so the idea is I think a lot of reasons why partners don't bring it to them that they want to do something different is because they're afraid they don't know how to bring it up. The only way they know how to bring it up is to say, I'm thinking about cheating. Without hurting. And either way, it hurts the other individual unless you bring it up in, in the open. I want to understand. I want to have more closeness with you. This is where I'm feeling you know, a a poor fitting or a a misfit, you know, this is what I want to talk to you about. I want more desire in this area. And I would also question, like, is that like the concept of an open marriage? Is it typically the number one reason about sexual pleasure? Like, and meaning open marriage being open to other sexual encounters for one or both partners? Well, only about sex? That's not, just so you know, that's not our field of joy and genius. So we don't work with people who are in open marriages. We actually prefer to work with couples who are monogamous and really wanting to deepen spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, and financially together. So, and we are aware that a lot of couples run into this scenario and we always refer out for that, just so you know. So, you know, the idea of an open marriage, sometimes that concept comes up in sessions and then it's, it's not made wrong. The idea is if that's what you want to do, then you go to a professional and you set mm-hmm. boundaries and you set reasonable mm-hmm. expectations and you have, you know, sort of rules and regulations of the road. And the initial conversation, the idea is you want your partner be, to be able to bring anything to you, right? not be in fear of bringing it to you wrong, because however they bring it to you is a gift, right? If my partner came to me and said, you know, I've been thinking about cheating. Of course that would hurt. Of Mm -hmm. course that would not feel great. Mm -hmm. And my first response, because I've trained myself is thank you. Thank you for having the courage to bring that to me Mm -hmm. because I love that you can bring that to me, even though it's painful. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is, are you allowing your partner to bring real truth to your relationship or are you forcing them to figure it out the right way to say it to you? Otherwise they can't say anything to you. Absolutely. And I think that's you have your open doors, like with the family, open door policy with work, open door policy, open door policy in the most important relationship. And I love what you said, want to drive intimacy. We want, and again, I'm on with you and I'm interested in everything you teach and how you coach, because the goal is a, you know, for me, I want to celebrate 50 years of marriage at 55. You guys, it's going to be you know, I'm committed to this statement. I'm going to celebrate 50 years of marriage. So I think it's really, <laughs> and, and, and that's important to me. And that's what I want. I want to know, like, I feel very strongly that fully developing and understanding the authenticity of who I am, allowing that to blossom and open communication and going through these tough conversations when they're coming up, what's coming up in me is, you know, this is how I'm feeling. I'm not sure where it's coming from, but I want your help and support as I work through it. You know, I want to work through it with you. And that's the purpose of the open conversation to begin with. And honestly, I think starting out and having, like, I don't know, I love, this share and scribe technique that you've given us 
And I think in young marriages, to be able to say, okay, we're going to have this open, authentic conversation. Maybe would you prescribe it every week? And that's, a, you know, I'm always like, what's our prescription? I yeah. prescribe it every week, every month. I mean, how do we like, you know, for when my daughters get married, God willing, someday to the loves of their lives, you know, how like do I support and hold safe community for them to have amazing loving, nurturing relationships. And it's more than an ideal, right? And I go to the critics out there. This is not an unattainable ideal. Oh, it's no. This is, look, at, look at Marla. Mm-hmm. Right. If, Marla if and Justin. Julian, yes. Julian. Marla and Julian. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. No worries. Marla and Julian. You know, the idea is if you want to have that kind of relationship that like Julian and I do, the idea is full expression is the new happiness. So happiness is not the goal of any relationship. If you want to actually really enjoy each other and be able to hear and receive anything from each other, where you don't have to hide, where you can actually reveal more and more over time, reveal more of yourself, reveal more of each other, reveal more of the dynamics and the patterns that are in you from your family lineage that will only get activated once you've reached a certain level of intimacy together. That's when the real big patterns start to emerge. Once you've hit a certain level of intimacy together, then the uglier patterns show up so that you can see the truth of where you came from. So the idea is, first of all, happiness is a human emotion that comes and goes just like every other emotion. It is an unattainable sustain. You can't sustain it forever. It's like a cloud and reaching for a cloud. So happiness is not the goal of your relationship. The relationship to be fully expressed is really the goal if you're going to have one in a relationship is for both of you to be fully expressed where nobody has to shove it down or hide parts of themselves that you can really be all of who you are and sometimes who you are is unpleasant and that's okay it's not about being perfect it's not about always being happy it's about being as you are and taking responsibility for it so allow yourself to really if you have resentment brewing say hey I realize I've got some resentment going on. How do I know? I'm looking at you right now and judging you. Mm. I'm judging you for not loading the dishwasher properly. I'm judging you for how you're folding your clothes. I'm judging you for fill in the blank. And so when you realize that you're judging your partner or blaming them for something, then resentment is brewing. And that's the time to do a share and scribe. I definitely would recommend, you know, at least once a month, to get started. And you can also do a share and scribe for positive reasons. You can do a share and scribe where one partner gets to talk about all the sexual positions they'd like to try. And the other person is just silent and writes the list or vacation spots you'd like to go to or ideal homes, wherever you'd like to live one day. And you just muse and, you know, you can use the share and scribe for positive things. You can use the share and scribe to vent out some ugly stuff. So the idea is if you practice one partner at a time, then one partner gets to feel fully satiated instead of both of you vying for not enough. There's always more than enough. It's just if you can really put the structure in place to have one partner feel satiated and then make sure eventually you get to the other partner as well instead of just having one partner always feel that. I love that. I love that concept and I love the instruction. So we've got a great tool for our audience to use, for me to use. I think it starts in dating relationships. So I think that's a great, great tool to use and to practice saying. I've got one more. I've oh, give super me one fast. more. Girl, give me I'm, more. I'm going to give you one more. It's called the redo. And it's exactly what it sounds like. The redo. 
It's when you realize that you didn't show up as your best self in the conversation. Or let's say you were doing the share and scribe and you interrupted your partner because you couldn't help it. You were like, what? That didn't happen. Whoops. Okay. And then you close your mouth and you go back to the share and scribe. You ask for a redo. Hey, can I get a redo? I didn't show up as my best self yesterday or 10 years ago. You can do it for time doesn't matter because what you're doing is when you redo an ugly conversation that you had, you're both going to practice taking responsibility. You're both going to practice bringing your sparkly eyes and your open heart to the conversation. And you're going to make the choices that lead to a positive outcome and you're going to do it together. So what it does is it rewires the brain for the memory being something positive at the end. So in the past, you had a problem, you had a conflict, it didn't turn out so well. What happens? The memory is an ugly memory. The memory is like, oh God, yeah, we did have that fight. It didn't go so well. Now, when you do a redo, when you remember the ugly incident, it also you remember, oh, and then we redid it. That's right. We were kind to each other at the end there. Mm. We tried it again. It works with children. It works with colleagues. It works with sales conversations. It works with your relationship. It works with sex. (laughs) Okay. The redo is a beautiful, elegant process that is so simple. You just pause You ask for a redo, you can do it in the middle of a conflict. You can, if you start to realize, wait, I'm losing my balance of my mind right now. You can say, oh, hang on, pause one sec. Can I get a redo? Can we start this over? This is going down the pathway where I'm going to end up yelling at you and I don't want to do that. I think I need to put that as a sticky on my computer. I think (laughs) it has to be like, okay, I need this redo. I need it to be like in... Just that reminder, redo, redo, before you redo. get to the redo. Now, what if you're like, I'd like a redo about that. And they say, no, you don't get a redo. Oh, thanks for letting me know your truth. Yeah, Thank you that, for letting me that's, know. that's um, a little disappointing, I'll be honest. And if you change your mind, please let me know. Not everybody's available for a redo in the moment. No. But if you are kind. If you change when, your mind, please If let you me change know. your mind, I'm available. I haven't been able to do a redo with everyone I'd like to do a redo with. Not everybody is open for it. Some people say a straight up no. And that's the pain of rejection that you need to be willing to receive. So I'm glad yes. you asked that question. So, so when you ask good, Marla. Oh my gosh. So right? good. You need to be willing to hear a yes, a no, or an I'm not sure. Yes. And if you can't receive a yes, a no, or I'm not sure, then you're not ready to ask for the redo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, a lot of personal development. Oh my gosh, I'm just coming from a week at Lisa Nichols. You guys will be airing this in, I think, June. But in May, I did a week at Lisa Nichols and talk about personal development. Marla, one of the things that came up in me and many others is, and you know, I mean, some of the most successful people and influencers in the world was the, the sense of worthiness. Mm-hmm. Like to feel worthy of having a fulfilling, loving relationship, no matter what's happened in the past, to feel worthy of, and have you come across that in working with couples when it comes to intimacy? And that's the root of every single issue. What? It is, oh it is my the, gosh. It is the root of every single issue. Julian used to have a sign up in our office that said worthiness at the core. And he would point to it when a client, you know, it's just for me to see when a client was talking or when I was going through something worthiness at the core, worthiness is at the core. If we don't feel worthy and deserving of love, then we're going to always push it away. Even if it's right there in front of us, if you don't feel worthy of having an epic sex life, then you're not going to relax your body enough to receive it. 
You're not oh, going to. Oh, I am so worthy of an epic sex. <laughs> I'm just putting that into the universe, right? Yes, you are. Yes. Also, of being loved and feeling loved, and that came up a lot. And so, what's the root of that, Marla? Like, for I know there's so many, but what do you find as a common thread? And it's just it's a so big lie. For me, I'm creating a worthy movement right now. I'm putting it on my mighty maca sticks, recreating new labels so that they say you know, know your worth. You know, I want you, I want us all, especially women to know their worth. And it is such a powerful resonating word to my core being. Like I'm still excavating. Here's the thing. We wonder why this is an issue. Well, let's just think about it logically. Okay. All of us were raised by humans who didn't feel worthy. So they're literally reflecting to us, we are not worthy, even though they're telling us how lovable we are. They're not modeling it. Most of our parents didn't feel a sense of worthiness either. And so all the generations of the past were not worthy. They did not feel worthy. So how can they impart the feeling of worthiness to us? The idea is we are the generation now. Everyone who's alive on earth today we are aware that worthiness is such an issue. And guess what? We're worthy just for being alive, just for being a human. We already won the lottery. That's biblical, babe. That is biblical. You know, we are precious children of God, each worthy, each worthy. And I think it's that, that common statement, really, it, it spans, it spans religions, but it's that sense that just because, just because We are worthy just because all we want, baby, is your joy. All we want is your happiness, right? And you're worthy in the sense that a statement just hit the core, you know, that from a parent, children, like now I've got a three generation household with my granddaughter here. It's like, man, I am claiming the stage for you, baby girl, comes with our work first. That's right. right? That's exactly right. If we are not practicing feeling worthy and being willing to look at where we still don't feel worthy, how can we impart to our children that they are worthy? That's the integrity gap from how you really feel to what you're putting out to the world. And the world could be to your children, that could be to your business, could be to the world at large. So how you actually feel on the inside. If you really feel worthy, then you're not going to be expressing worthiness issues. You won't be having those experiences. Because if someone, if your partner, for example, brings to you, hey, I'm considering cheating, and I'm bringing it to you before I do anything, because I don't actually want to cheat, but I just feel like, oh my gosh, I've been looking around. If you don't feel worthy inside, you're going to receive that as there's something wrong with you. But if you actually feel worthy inside, you're going to understand this is about them. And it's an opportunity for your mic drop, mic drop moment. It is not about you. It is about them. Understand where you're coming from. Two individuals, separate, you know, fabrics, separate threads of their lives. Like what's coming up, and I can be here, knowing my own worth, and hold safe space for you. Let's work through this together. Right. And can you be kind when your partner has the courage and vulnerability to bring you something really ugly like that? Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that somebody's been thinking about cheating. But would you rather them say, I've been thinking about cheating and telling you that? Or would you rather them telling you, I've cheated? 
man, you know, we need to do a part two at some time, Marla. I mean, this is amazing, amazing information. I could talk on forever if I didn't have a one minute cutoff right now. <laughs> I really appreciate this information. I didn't, we didn't know, you and I didn't know where our conversation was going to go. I'm just committing to speaking my truth and to asking questions and to answer the unknown answer the not talked about, to dig deep into these feelings and dig deep into situations. How can I further support and hold safe space for those I love? How can I request and speak up for my own safe space? And so I can have the most amazing relationships of my life and all aspects, right? With my children, with my team members and, you know, where that comes from, what are my limiting beliefs? And so there's so much to this conversation and really delving into the intimacy and to being able to, you know, hedge off a severing of a relationship and working towards enhancing the relationships we have to the best of our abilities. And that's all we can do. And to the best of their abilities, that's all they can do. As long as we're showing up to be able to provide that space to be the best, right? So Marla, you know, I know you have some closing thoughts here Then I'm going to ask my rapid fire questions that I ask all my guests on the Girlfriend Doctor Show, whether they like it or not. <laughs> yes. Well, I just want to remind everybody that if you can practice lowering your defenses, especially when you feel defensive, if you can practice lowering your defenses anyway, and if you can practice being receptive to what your partner is saying, even if you don't like what they're saying, and you start listening with more kindness in your heart, then you're going to find they're going to share more with you. They're going to share more of what you've been wanting with you. And when that happens, the intimacy increases in all areas of your life. Mm, I love that. Thank you. Marla, how can people work with you? People can work with us. You can find us at theintimacyexperts.org on our website or also on Instagram, the Intimacy Experts. And that's the best way to get in touch with us. We work privately. We also have an eight-week legendary love experience that's alive twice a year. We do time bending in the fall for couples and fire bending in the spring. And it's super epic. I also teach the neuroscience of sales from a relationship perspective, from intimidation to intimacy. So if you're interested in that as well as an entrepreneur or business owner or anyone who does face-to-face high-ticket sales, I'm your gal for that. So we have a home study course for couples called the Lover's Play course. And that is just such an epic, uplifting course for couples who want to learn how to have more joy and play and delight in their relationship. Oh my gosh, I love it. And I love spending time with you today. And anytime we get a chance to chat and talk. All right, rapid fire questions. How do you nourish yourself? Like, what's your favorite food? Uh, the four oh, pillars. Let me just frame this. Okay. The four pillars in the Girlfriend Doctor Club, in the Girlfriend Doctor space. It is nourish, awaken, shine, and embrace. Those are the four pillars that like, I focus my energy on and cultivating for balance and for like that strong foundation and platform so that we can thrive and grow in every aspect of our life, especially when it comes to the most important area, which is relationships. And again, so it's nourish, awaken, shine, and embrace. So what's your favorite food? My favorite food, what is my favorite food? Hmm. Currently, I'm into this hummus and garbanzo pita. And I'm not a vegan, but it is a vegan food and it's very delicious. 
Oh my gosh, that is so funny. Like I would never expect hummus or chickpeas to be a favorite food. So I love that. Okay. What's your favorite thing to drink? What's your, do you have a cocktail of choice? I don't really drink much alcohol at all, but my favorite drink is probably like a sparkling water with a blood orange juice mix with ice. Just a little bit of blood orange juice from the farmer's market with sparkling water. It's so delicious. It oh, tastes like an alcohol, alcoholic beverage. Actually. That's perfect. And I do recommend, I do a lot with sparkling water and I love it. Even just like adding an orange slice or a lime mm-hmm. or whatever. Okay. What are you reading right now? Under the Awakened platform, what educating yourself or reading, what are you reading for fun? Oh, what's it the say? 15, the 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership, A New Paradigm for Sustainable Success. And this book is, it's actually, we're doing a book club at our company where we're going through this book chapter by chapter and talking about it. And so this is the new book club book. And they're very, very aligned with what we do and what we teach. It was like reading our material. So it was really fantastic. I love it. Okay, great. And then what's your favorite skincare product? My favorite skincare, well, currently my favorite skincare product is this. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jolva Kiss. You know, I am addicted. I am addicted. I'm telling you, I was flying and you know, you get dry flying. I'm like oh, constantly applying it. I love it too. Okay, well, that's a nice. I have a second one that's a face oil from Vintner's Daughter. I don't know if you know them, but Vintner's Daughter has this face oil that's super luxurious and it smells great. And Julian uses it in his beard as well as beard oil. <laughs> oh, how cool. Okay. Yeah. I will definitely look that one up. And then what's your favorite sexual position in our embrace? <laughs> ooh, ooh. Well, gosh, there's so many that I love. Yeah. And- I just had to ask her that being the intimacy expert. <laughs> I got to learn from the best, right? I, but I always tell my audience, I said, I am the women's sexual health, not the technique or relationship expert. So I seek those. <laughs> into I love the it. World. I love it. Well, gosh, I think probably being on top is probably physically the most delicious for me. And then anytime Julian like moves me around in various positions, you know, sort of like the transitions. Oh, yeah. That is a great, that's a lot of awareness because that transition, that hug, that hold, that manipulation, super sexy, right? (laughs) Super sexy. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I want to thank you so much, Marla, for being with us today for our audience here at the Girlfriend Doctor Show. I know you've learned something from this episode. Maybe you've had an aha or an ability to make a conversation. The biggest thing that I want you to take home is that you are worthy. You are worthy of being loved, feeling loved, expressing it fully. You are worthy of being healthier tomorrow than you are even today. You are worthy of having all that you dream of having in your lives. And I am committed to showing up for you in this space as well as I dig into my worthiness, as I excavate the weeds or pull the weeds that are holding me back and keeping me from speaking my truth. I am committed to showing up for you and continuing to share. So in this space, in the Girlfriend Doctor community, we create a safe space where you can ask or tell me anything. And I'm here for you. So please go to dranna.com forward slash show. And at the bottom of that show page, you'll see a comment box. And you can put a comment in there direct to me. It goes to my team, which will get forwarded to me. 
and or post anywhere that we post about this, um, this video currently on YouTube and or in social media. And my customer service team and myself are committed to helping you along in your journey. So thank you for being with us. Check out Marla and Julian, the Intimacy Experts. Dot org, the intimacy experts.org. They have so much to offer and you can see speaking their truth and from a place of heart and sincerity. And so I invite you to continue this journey and this discussion. Let me know what questions you have, what comments I'm here for you. And I love being your girlfriend doctor till next time. Mm-hmm.